Hello, welcome to Norwegian Newcomers, the podcast where we hear fragments from the lives of Norway's immigrant population. Today, my guest is Vasil. Vasil, welcome and thank you for being with us today. For the very beginning, I will ask you to introduce yourself. Thank you for inviting me, Vedran. It's it's, uh, it's a pleasure to join you here and hope we're going to have a good time. My name is Vasil Djuroski and I'm uh, living in Trumso in north of Norway um, since December 2014. And I'm originally coming from, I, I, I like to say Yugoslavia. I'm, uh, I'm born in Yugoslavia and, um, in 1979, and I'm born in a small town on the border between Serbia and Hungary called Subotica. My mother comes from there, but she's Catholic. She declares herself as a Croat, not as a Serb. I lived uh, one year in Subotica uh, before I moved to Macedonia, Macedonia, where my father comes from. Until I was like 35, I lived in um, Skopje. Before Skopje, I lived in a small town in the middle of Macedonia called Kavadarci, and I moved to Skopje when I was seven uh, years old. I've been traveling a lot to Subotica every summer, and I have a lot of relatives there in Serbia. I have relatives in Croatia. My sister lives with her family family in Zagreb in Croatia, and I have a lot of uh, family in uh, in Macedonia. So. Uh, I cannot say that I'm like pure Macedonian and I don't like to say that. I'm like not into like flags and countries and nationalism. When I moved to Norway, like a lot of people started asking me like, where are you coming from? It was like irritation for me to, to be asked that question, like we're human beings. so. Uh, there was a period where I think it lasted like almost a year, maybe more, when I asked like, I'm coming from Mars, I'm coming from Jupiter. I understand that their intention hasn't been anything else, but they were like curious where I'm coming from. But I don't know, something irritated me in that question. Maybe because I, I'm not ex extremely proud from the area where I'm coming from. During the wars in the former Yugoslavia, I was frustrated because most people opted on a national basis. My origin and upbringing did not allow me to choose the side. The only one I felt belonged to was Yugoslavia, both then and now. Yugoslavia no longer exists, but we still exist, whose identity still belongs to that non-existent country. Does it sound complicated to you? Yes, those feelings of belonging for some of us are very complex. I think that there is like a hidden like thought why we are not saying we are from Serbia or from Macedonia. I think that a lot of things change in our lives. Suddenly that country where we were born felt apart. 
suddenly we were fighting each other and killing each other. The country where I was born is not existing anymore, but the people that made this war in 1991 kinda killed my country. But I'm not gonna give up and I'm gonna continue having this ideology that I'm coming from a country that doesn't exist anymore. I'm in a way proud where I'm geographically coming from, but I'm not proud where, uh, where I'm raised, in, in what kind of society I'm raised. Because I experienced a war, and as a child who is 11 years old, it's a horrible thing to happen. Although that war, it's, it's not exactly, it was not exactly in my city, but it happened in cities and areas where I have friends and relatives and family. As an 11-year-old boy, you, you don't understand what is happening. You don't understand why this is happening. The war in Yugoslavia, has it helped to someone? Has someone progressed it in the last 13 years? We split up? And, okay, maybe with splitting up, that means that our future is going to be better. No, I don't see a difference between 1995 in Skopje and 2022 in Skopje. It's the same fucking struggle every fucking month. Why we separated each other and killed each other to make ourselves even more miserable? When war happens when you are a child, you carry that experience or trauma for the rest of your life. You are trying to process and understand why and how the war happened. You think about ideologies or why the East is different from the West. Basil has interesting thoughts on these topics. A couple of weeks ago, when I had discussion with a Russian friend of mine and we discussed the current situation and the war in Ukraine and, and, and Russia, and we like, what's the difference in a way between the Western world and the Eastern world? The Eastern countries, the most of the people in Eastern countries are ideologists. Ideology, religion, and that goes to nationalism in a wrong way. No matter how rich or poor they are, their goal is just this ideology. While the Western country, it's like kind of opposite. They, they don't have an ideology, but they are like profit-oriented and they conquer to profit. Yeah, while the Eastern countries, you are on the bottom of the society, you're hardly surviving, but you're supporting this role model that stands on the top and that makes you so miserable. Why this ideology that makes you so crazy in your head that you go over people, you kill them. Instead, the opposite that Western countries does, like killing people for profit. Most of us think or know that corruption is the biggest problem in the Balkans. I mean corruption in state institutions. Institutions are the foundation of the state. Today, all the states of the former Yugoslavia are trapped by corruption and corrupt politicians. And all of the others who are part of that corruption. I don't see the point of like that idealistic idea of dreaming about something. No, let's start living your life. 
let's start with yourself. The main problem that I experienced on the Balkans is that people are really occupied to fit the society that is not functioning at all. Instead of starting to building themselves and starting to change this society, improve this society. And it's hard, it's a long process. You know, the corruption is extreme. And I've, I've personally experienced that corruption. When I explained these situations that I had with corruption, with the state in Macedonia, with the Ministry of Culture, and etc., etc. In the fight for a better society, we choose different ideas and find different ways to realize those ideas. Anarchism as an idea and action is one of them. I personally was really engaged to change things. I was radically engaged to change things. In the teenage years, I was really into anarchistics and liberalism literature and anarchistic punk. Some, someone doesn't understand completely the work anarchism. It's the other side of anarchism. It's like no nationalities, respect each other, no borders, tolerance. Yeah, it's not, it's not this chaos side of the anarchism, but it's more like mutual respect. So in the, my teenage years, I was reading a lot of those kind of literature and that helped me a lot to understand or accept different kind of people and then also help me to fight for for the things that I am engaged for. Everything from like, I was protesting anti-McDonald's. We have healthy food here. Let's use this healthy food. Let's fight against McDonald's. I know this case in Sarajevo. The city of Sarajevo said like, yeah, you can open McDonald's in Sarajevo, but you need to use our local meat. McDonald's said, no, we have our farms that we are pumping these cows and making our meat. And they said, no, no way. You're not having McDonald's if you're not using. And that's the way how you're going to do it to support your country and build it up your country. And then like I fight for like simple things like biking in the town. There is no bike traces in the town. So we were like protesting and we were like 50 bikes in, in the middle of the town and protesting. Through my cultural work, I was like also trying to like open minds to the people, trying to, trying to book artists that are gay, trying to book artists that are black, trying to put artists that are not coming from here. I've been doing that for 15 years plus. And I gave up. I said like, okay, I cannot continue living my life just trying to make changes because it's really hard. It's gonna kill me. I need to take care about myself. And if that means that I need to move out from this country, I'm gonna do that. I don't want to live rest of my life trying something to do. No, I want to live my rest of the life doing something. After many years of trying to make the society you live in better, you get tired once. At that moment, everything becomes meaningless and useless to you. You want to be somewhere else where the values are similar to yours. Then 
you start thinking about an exit strategy. When I was like 30, I decided like, okay, I want to move out of here. I was living in a depressive society. Although I was surrounded with good people around me, everyday dialogue and talk was like how hard it is, how difficult it is, how I'm not going to survive until the end of the month because I have to pay the rent bills and I don't have any more money. I understand that, but I couldn't live in a depressive surroundings. And it's still like that. People are struggling there, so of course they are complaining. I'm not that kind of person. I need to be myself and find my way somewhere in the world. Either that will be France, South Africa, Japan or Norway. I don't give a shit where. I need to be myself and I'm not fitting here. I'm always trying to to find something, to change something. It's not a comfortable position to, to be. Disappointments in the people we once loved and trusted, as well as disappointments in the lives we imagined we would have, can be very difficult and painful. But it can also be a lesson learned for making important future life decisions. I was married in the late 20s and then I got divorced in the beginning of 30s. It was like a short marriage there. And then after that disappointment, I decided, okay, I need to find a way to get out of here. Although I had like a really good job, I was working in a big culture production company. I was agent and manager for several bands. We were running four festivals. We had our own ticket system. We were doing production for different concerts around the area in on the Balkans. I was traveling a lot, both on festivals, showcase uh, festivals and on tours with the bands. Uh, I had my own apartment, car, I have decent salary. So I had like every normal person's life in a way, but I wasn't happy at all. I was living my life from one travel to another. Like when is the next trip? In two weeks. Okay. Looking forward to the next trip. And then I am away for four weeks on a road with a band. I came back and then, okay, when is the next trip? In three weeks, I'm gonna going to the festival. So these trips, in a way, were kind of way of escape of being there. And then, like, I had planned that I'm gonna get married uh, in Netherlands with a friend of mine who's gonna help me to escape from there. And then in 2013, I met my wife, Kari, in uh, Cardiff in Wales on a music showcase conference called Vomex. It was a like one night stand, but we were in touch and she came for the new year, 2013, 2014 in Macedonia. We met each other in Oslo in February, uh, but we were constantly in, in uh, contact, like almost every day. In spring 2014, uh, we decided that we want to be together. What was the easiest way to be together is that either she moves from Norway to Macedonia or uh, we should get married and I get papers and we try to be together. We were both married before and we were like, okay, if it doesn't work, then we just get divorced and doesn't work, it doesn't work. But it was like also 
extremely risky situation where after six months, it was less than six months, and after we've seen each other physically three times, we decided to get married and be together, and I'm going to move to Trumso. And she knew my history. Everything that I said here, she, she knew that. And then she asked me, like, okay, how much of this project is love? How much of this is runaway plan for you? And I said, like, maximum 40% love and more than 60% runaway plan. And then she said, like, okay, at least you're honest. So then we met each other in October 2013 and we got married in August 2014. And we physically, between these dates, we met like five six times maximum. I got a permission to stay already in September. It went really easy. And then I moved permanently in Trumso in um, December 2014. I didn't quit my job in Skopje. I worked from distance. I didn't sell my apartment. But I moved in Trumso without any money. Like I moved with two, three thousand euros, which is nothing here. And I didn't have any job here. I decided to take this risk. I enrolled me immediately to the Voxnow planning. I was really occupied to learn the language if I'm gonna be here and live here and try to integrate me. So I need to, to learn the language. After six months, I could could have a dialogue in Norwegian and I was extremely like persistent with the people that I was communicating with. They noticed that I cannot speak Norwegian and they switched immediately to, to English. And I'm like, no, stop, please. I know that it can be irritating for you to, to talk like slowly and, but please, I want to learn this language and I need your help. There were people who were making laugh of, of my language. And I was like, yeah, of course upset, but at the same time I was like, fuck you. I speak Italian, I speak all the Balkan languages, I speak English, I speak Norwegian now. I'm, I'm trying to, to learn your language and you're like making fun of that. But this was like small examples. Small, most of the people were really kind. When I said like, this is my language after six months, they were like impressed. The support of our partners, which I often repeat, is very important to every newcomer. Partners support us in a different ways, but I would say that the most important thing is to accept us as we are, to support our creative side as well, and to have trust and patience. I had the fully support from my partner on every level because I came with no money, with nothing, and I didn't have a job, anything. She was like, okay, I'm here for you, but you need to find a job. After six months and without job, learning the language and trying to get in touch with the people who are into the cultural business in, in Trumso, my wife said like, okay, you need to get a job. We cannot continue like this. And then I was like, no, Kari, sorry, that's not happening. If I'm gonna start working in this bar or in this cafe or in this restaurant, I'm gonna end up there for the rest of my life. You don't want me back home after 
eight hours work in that bar. I'm gonna be like disaster. It's not gonna be healthy either for me or for our relationship. Please be patient. I'm gonna find a job. In my field, it's gonna work out. Is it hard to find a job in Norway? And are we looking for a job to do what we love or what we have to do to pay the bills? Do we even have a choice? Or how we fight for that choice here below? The only thing that I did for a year till I found a job in my field, I was like bugging people all the time. Emailing them, calling them, having a coffee with them. I was offering myself, okay, there is this festival. I have experience in festivals. Use me, I can be helpful for your festival. I have this really good friend of mine nowadays that was running this festival uh, back in 2015 that I was trying to reach him. I was introduced on a concert with him and then I met him on the streets after, after a while. And then I asked him like, Hey, Robert, how are you doing? Do you have uh, time for coffee? I don't drink coffee. I was like, okay, let's, let's have a tea. I don't want tea now. Okay, maybe it's like four o'clock. Shall we have a beer? I'm not into beers. And I was like, okay, normal people, usually they're going to give up. But I said like, Robert, let's have a seat and drink water. <laughs> and he started laughing. We didn't have water, but same evening he sent me an email and said like, okay, come into our office tomorrow. We're going to find something for you. He saw me. This guy has something. We, we should use that. He's not just persistent. He, he wants to help us. Once you open one door, there's plenty of doors opening. It is important for us newcomers that we do not forget that diversity is our advantage. And Norway is a country that respects and nurtures these differences. Of course, they are different people. You're experiencing uh, racism and everything. But the majority, the, the big percentage of the people are respectful people. They respect you where you are, where you're coming from, what's your name, surname. Of course, like, it's, it's not the same if my name is Isaac uh, Pedersen. I've chosen to live in a country where my name is different from the other names. And I said to myself plenty of times, Vasil, that's just really good because you are different. You're like the cream of, on the top of this uh, cake. Because you're different, you can just bring more, bring diversity, open people's minds because you're coming from another area in the town. So I'm, I'm like doing small steps. I'm entering this house for the first time. Then I'm saying like, oh, what are we going to have for dinner? We're going to eat that and that. Have you tried Ivar? No, what's that? Okay, next time I'm coming with this present of Ivar. After a couple of weeks, I'm having a message and saying, mate, we bought three after the one that you brought to us. That's a small step. But actually, it's an extremely big step. Racism will probably never be a closed topic. Unfortunately, racism exists in every country. But it is also a fact that some countries fight racism and any discrimination better than others. When people experience racism here, for example, have you been to Macedonia? Have you been to Italy? 
this is not good to experience to experience racism here as well but it can be way worse let's say this racism that we have here we can fight against go on a stadium in Macedonia or in Belgrade they are shouting on these Africans that are running and trying to score a goal for our team like hello they're still calling the monkeys like hello same with gay people like in Macedonian language every other sentence you hear this word peder i think everything starts from the childhood when you learn that like okay this friend of mine is inviting me somewhere and i said no i don't want to to go there i i think i'm scared to go there oh you faggot and then it's becoming part of your language as well i cannot admit that i've been using the same i can say i've been ashamed but it doesn't help but i'm now happy that i've learned that it's not correct and there are plenty of people out there on the balkans in 2022 they aren't aware at all of that oslo is the capital and it is understood that it has a rich cultural offer but what is the situation in other cities in norway and whether the oslo scene is ready to share artists with the audience in other cities in norway I think that there's a huge difference between south of Norway and uh, north of Norway. Uh and that's very normal because especially when we are talking about international acts, international culture because we are far away. It costs a lot to come to Tromsø. It's one more flight to Tromsø from Oslo which is 2 hours and there is no way to drive. Unfortunately, I'm missing international acts. most of the promoters in Norway like are extremely engaged about this exclusivity thing this artist is playing exclusivity on this festival in Oslo so then like everyone is flying to Oslo and the same artist can play both in Berlin and Hamburg and it's a shorter distance between Berlin and Hamburg than Oslo and Tromsø So why we cannot share this artist when we met each other at Oslo World likely I had a extremely nice meeting with Alexandra festival director of Oslo World so on 4th of April we are launching this collaboration between five cities in Norway we're calling it movement network and uh, we are having festival in the same week as Oslo World and we are sharing artists in five different cities in Norway and that is Oslo, Tromsø, Bergen, Skien and Molde. I had the opportunity to see how well organized the Oslo World Festival is. That is why I was very glad to hear that Vasil and Tromsø World Festival will be part of the joint movement network project. Hear more about this great future collaboration. We are programming together and we are making this route for this artist. So instead of this artist is like having one show in Oslo and then way back, no, you're having four, five shows in Norway. Why not? It's extremely nice for this period after corona where we have been de-socialized 
Now we are socializing. Let's try to socialize each other in a right way. Let's collaborate. Let's make things happen. Let's bring culture to the people because we haven't had culture in many years. So let's help each other. We are our own festival. We are establishing our own festival, which is called Trumso World Festival. But we are part of this network that is collaborating and we are programming together, sharing ideas together and making easier for us. These artists that they're bringing, they can say, okay, we have four other cities that you can play. For me, it's also easier that I have this partner who wants to share with me. Every big artist stops in Oslo. That's like the highest point in the north of Europe. So I'm, I'm extremely happy that we merged each other and we find a common language and we are really happy launching this project. We have ideas of making this project bigger and making projects together, not just like new now at this point sharing artists. We are, we are thinking bigger of making projects together. We are on a good frequency and that's a, that's a really good start. I don't know how much you know about cultural life in Tromsø. This is an opportunity to hear more about it. And I'm happy some bringing international acts in Tromsø. It's extremely hard, extremely hard. I can confirm that Tromsø is extremely cultural city. There is theater, concerts, dance performance, a lot of festivals and audience. For a small city, we have a big cultural offer. I cannot complain about that, and I'm extremely happy that I landed in this city where it's a small city, but the cultural offer is extremely high. But I'm missing international tastes, and uh, I've been working on that, and now with this project that I'm starting with Trumso World Festival, I think we are in the right direction to bring some more diversity in the in this town. Festivals are an important part of the culture scene of every city because among other things festivals promote diversity. I'm happy to hear that Tromsø World Festival together with the Arctic Pride will make the rich culture scene of Tromsø even more colorful. We have a really strong Arctic uh, Pride organization. A good friend of mine is the leader of the organization. They are having a lot of activities. They have the Pride Week in November, but they have activities almost every month on different kind of levels. Our project, Trumso World, is collaborating with Arctic Pride, and Arctic Pride is always open to collaborate with different kind of actors, different kind of institutes and projects. I can say in the name of the Arctic Pride, we are doing good. Not all people want and not everyone feels pleasure when they make others happy. Vasil's goal is to make others happy. I'm free. I'm not a black sheep. I can do whatever I want and I, I'm not scared to say out loud my opinion. On the Balkans, if you say your opinion, maybe the government is not gonna be kind with you anymore and it's gonna be sabotaging you. But here I can I can say whatever I want. I'm not scared. I'm working a lot. I'm like 100% employed in the student house called Drive, where I'm um, programming 
and I'm currently working in peer and communication. And then on top of this job, I'm volunteering working on three other festivals that I'm running. This Tromsø World Festival, and then starting a children's festival in June called Rabalder. It's big festival in a park in the city, which gonna offer uh, both music, theater, performances, dance, and a lot of activities for the kids. It's like 1,500 capacity festival. And then I'm um, running a small festival in the backyard of a restaurant in the middle of the city called Hagefesten. Almost all of my life I've been engage to to do something to give something to the people and that makes me happy i can see that here my work is making me happy when i see like 500 kids having fun in the park where i made this park for them together with all my colleagues then i i'm happy but at the same time i learned that it's not only work i like that here people respect private time and family time. I don't need to pick up the phone at eight o'clock if I don't want to. I can just say, okay, sorry, can we take this call tomorrow? I'm having fun with my family, with my boy and my wife. On the Balkans, you need to take the phone all the time. If you don't take the phone, you can miss the job or miss that project or miss those money. If I explain it with simple words, I kind of learn how to breathe here. I like move from an extremely big city, like not extremely, but big city, Skopje, to a small town, Trumso. And then I was like, oh, I can go to work. I don't need to take a bus. Oh, I can walk. I'm done with work at four. Okay, I need to run to pick up the kid at uh, 4.30. And that's okay. Although I'm not done with the job that I supposed to do today, but okay, there is a day tomorrow. I can do that tomorrow. So the rhythm of living, it's long lasting. The rhythm of breathing gives you more joy and happiness than this like running for money work at the Balkans and never getting enough. I'm happy that like I established so many contacts in, in Norway, not just in Tromsø, that I can I can probably call friends who are working in the business on Bergen or Oslo and say, hey, I want to move from Tromsø. Can, can we find some project for me? I can't help but wonder why Norway is a country where good ideas are supported and projects are easier to implement than in the Balkans. The Balkans do not lack creativity, but they lack everything else. Can this change? Can the Balkans change a very bad and corrupt system and accept the good influences and knowledge of other countries? People in Norway like are focused on one thing. So this lady Rebecca, she knows to do this and she is focused on this. But we coming from another area when we needed to do different things in order to survive. So we managed to build up different skills. So when I came here and I said like, 
Okay, I can book an artist. I can do the technical advance. I can be a stage manager as well, and I can build the the stage. And they were like, "How come?" Uh, no, I've been doing all of this, so I can I can do this. I can uh, run a project and be a project leader, and I can make a budget. And uh, my life forced me to to do all of these things, while. Rebecca had more comfortable life here in Norway, so she is like extremely good and special specialized in this. But that's a positive thing that we are bringing here, that we are multitasker. We can we can do whatever they ask for us to do. But at the same time, I learned here that like it's good when you're projecting something you delegate this thing to a professional who's going to do that and then i like this process after project evaluation evaluation is, uh, i like, i've never had an evaluation on the balkans this conversation with vasil meant a lot to me not only because of our similar origins and because we both carry and feel the identity of a country that no longer exists but also because of similar interests and thinking we both want to do what we believe in, which is part of our experience and education so far. We want to offer Norway the best of us. Compromises should be made, but not always and at all costs. It is very important that we do what we love. I wish Vasil good luck in all the projects he has started and which he will realize in the future. I'm looking forward. Thank you a lot. Thank you. You listen to the third episode of the third season Norwegian Newcomers podcast. My name is Vedran Tanovic. Take care. We are back next Tuesday.